0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. What's up, y'all? It's Tamarcus Shraglin, and I have the pleasure of being joined by my co-host, my sister, Elizabeth Woodson, and my brother, Adam. How y'all doing today? Doing good. Good, man. How are you? I am doing pretty well, Uh, and we get the awesome privilege of also being joined on the show by author and writer Rachel Gilson to talk about a sweet topic, the family of God. Rachel, welcome to Culture Matters.
1: It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Do you mind telling uh, the people a little bit about yourself and your work?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a California native who is in exile in New England. <laughs> okay. I, um, I work for Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh, uh, nice. I serve on the leadership team of theological development and culture. So we're a missionary organization that also cares about being theologically faithful. And particularly, I spend most of my time trying to help our staff navigate LGBT questions in ministry in a way that's compassionate towards mm. people and faithful to scripture. Cause I came to Christ uh, from a background of atheism and sexual and romantic relationships with other women when I was a freshman in college. So, you know, figuring out how LGBT questions interact with the faith was a survival issue for me mm. uh, for a long time. And now, and now I try to help others as well.
0: It's incredible. Like incredible Thank work. you so much. Yeah. Well, We want to dive right in and and into some of that in start off by having this this conversation of laying a foundation of what what is uh, the family of God? Maybe give a a biblical picture and definition uh, for those who that might be a new language for.
1: Yeah. I have to be really careful because I love Bible stuff and so I can talk (laughs) forever. But
0: no,
2: go ahead.
1: (laughs) We. Yeah, you know, if, if you're if you're reading the Bible really quickly in Genesis, you, you get to Abraham and there's this promise.
2: Mm.
1: He's gonna have offspring. There's this promise about land, there's this problem about promise about him being a blessing to all the world through his family. So family becomes really important in the Bible immediately. You see mm. tons of stuff about family in the old testament. Uh, Which means, of course, there's a lot of theological weight and heft around the idea of marriage and producing offspring, because, well, that was how God's promises to Abraham were going to be fulfilled. In the New Testament, we see the capital O offspring come, Jesus, son of Abraham, son of David, and suddenly the question of God's family becomes troubled in a way that's never been troubled before. Uh, Especially in the Book of Acts, there's this question: like, wait a minute, do Gentiles who come to faith in Christ do they have to become Jews in order to become Christians, or do they just automatically get to be in the family? And of course, the good news answer for me and probably for y'all I don't know if you're Jewish or not but the good news (laughs) answer for us is no we just we just get to be God's children. Mm. Suddenly, the image of God's family gets opened up, and and the family language just Trips all over the New Testament. God is Mm. our Father. In that fundamental prayer, we're taught He is our Father, and Jesus is our big brother. Mm. We are in God's household. We are born again into this household—a picture, Mm. you know, natural birth—and also we are adopted into this household. However, God is going to get His babies into the (laughs) household—adoption through birth, all the ways we are in—and the Mm. number one way that we are talked about in relationship to each other is as brothers and sisters, which is such a beautiful picture of the kind of intimacy and joy. And, you know, also the ways we pick on each other and annoy each other <laughs> that, that happen in family. And that and that's one of the things that's going to last into the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, it says we won't marry or be given in marriage in the new heavens and earth. We won't be reproducing in the new heavens and earth, but we will remain god's children we will remain brothers and sisters with each other so it's a part of picturing even now that future we're going to have which is of course why in the new covenant we get this beautiful vocation of singleness opened up for the first time as well because in fact to be in god's family all you need is to be united with christ through faith and suddenly you've got a family so marriage remains good bearing children remains good but also the single life uh, receive this brand new glory that had only been hinted at in the Old Testament.
3: Mm. We've
1: got wonderful, wonderful avenues of exploration in terms of what it means to be part of the household of God.
0: That's really, that was really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. In light of that, in what ways have we seen, because um, you you gave such a beautiful picture of, you know, the, the ideal and what God is accomplished. What he is accomplishing and bringing into fruition through the church, through us, but in, in in what ways maybe as we look at that as kind of our true north, how have we seen the church fall short of embodying the fullness? Oh, uh, of oh that, man, of that family, <laughs> that family picture you just gave.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because. Uh, Probably many of us are listening to this being like, uh, okay, that's not my experience. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, in some pretty aggressive ways. Oh, the different ways that we failed because we're, we're like just buckets of sin in mm-hmm. certain ways. So, you know, we fail, we fail through, you know, the standard boring. Sins of favoritism and classism and sexism and racism. We fail through uh, setting up certain sins as like okay mm-hmm.
3: and other sins
1: as things that, if you even feel temptation for them, bar you outside of the kingdom of God. So we try to cut people out of the family that properly belong. We isolate ourselves from members of the family because we get hurt or we hurt others or. Mm. You know, all these types of petty things that get in the way. Probably one of the, you know, it, if you read a lot of church history, which I'm sure you do because Netflix is boring. So you're probably sitting around reading a lot of church history. <laughs> the first 1500 years, uh, our, our brothers and sisters were obsessed with the idea of virginity and celibacy. And so singleness was like the it team. It mm. was like the number one. And marriage was like, well, I guess if you have to, it's like kind of dirty, but you it's okay. You know, yourself. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, if you need to, cool, fine, whatever. But then with the reformers, we got a rehabilitation of marriage. And slowly over time, there we were a lot of different things that were happening in Western culture. Now, today, marriage and having kids is like the varsity team. And singleness is like JV. So we've kind of tipped in the opposite direction. Hmm. So even a base level way that we can fail in this is that singles have no place to thrive in many of our churches. Churches are designed to serve married people with kids. So if you're a Hmm. single mom, you often have no idea where you're supposed to go. If you're widowed, uh, it's not an uncommon experience to just lose all your friends and all your social connection. If you have a person who's never been married, either because you chose that or just circumstantially, you know, a lot of singles groups are sort of like meat markets for like people in their twenties. And you can age out thinking, well, where the, where the heck am I supposed to find family? We don't, um, we don't do a good job necessarily of connecting to each other, taking care of each other, rebuking each other, encouraging each other. Um, honestly, we have a lot of repenting to do mm. when we think about the vision that we've actually been given.
2: Yeah, that's really compelling. And sometimes I wonder where the, the genesis of the problem comes from. You mentioned, you know, where we were culturally speaking and and maybe just uh, whatever the reasons were, if, you know, the first 1500 years, celibacy was a big deal. Um, and then, you know, there's a correction, but i do wonder are, have we adopted stories of the world is is that what we've done is it a worldly consumption a drift from the biblical picture and if so what do you think some of those stories are
1: well we can't you know we can't help but be formed by the communities we're part of that's right. just and that's just normal human life we learn we learn about who we are and who god is in the communities we find ourselves in so we don't want to be too quick to be like, Oh, all the stories we receive are bad. You know, every, every person and every culture retains, uh, aspects of who God is. Cause we're made in his image, you right. know? So some of the things we hear, they're going to be true and good. But of course, every single one of us in every culture also falls short of what God has said because we've rebelled against him. So it, do, it doesn't mean we have to listen and look to our stories, um, critically not with like a critical spirit but recognizing there's going to be things in there we don't want to just toss all of it but you know we don't want to keep all of it either one of the things that i think is really powerful that swirls around in uh, american culture right now is the story of salvation by romance
3: Mm.
1: you're just not a full or a complete person unless you have a significant other now, in Christian circles, that often means marriage. Uh, in non-Christian circles, that could just mean, you know, partnering for a time. But it's a deep and strong sense that um, I-, I need that other person to complete me. That that's what real love and deep intimacy is about. Sort of um, great sex with your best friend forever or as long as you maybe want to, <laughs> depending right, right. on which story you inhabit. and. Well, God did, in fact, create us for love and relationship. The only thing, famously, that's called not good before sin entered the world, when we look at Genesis, is that Mm. man was alone. And in evangelical circles, which is the only ones I can speak to from experience, I haven't been in other Christian traditions, can often get this idea that I should be fine, I should be just fine if it's just me and Jesus. The thing is, I'm not actually designed to be just me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. If I have a whole beautiful community and don't have Jesus, I am dead in the water. But Jesus, in fact, designed us to need other people. And of course, in Genesis, God brought Adam, Eve. But I don't think that Genesis is merely saying what everybody needs is a spouse. Otherwise, but I mean, Jesus was the most fully... Alive, fully human person who ever walked the earth, and, and the earth, and he was unmarried, and the Apostle Paul himself was unmarried. I, I think it's speaking to a deeper reality that we we need to be known by each other. We need to know each other. We need to love each other. So salvation by romance is hitting on some things that do happen to be true. Right. It's an anemic version of what God has said. Romance, you know, that's a modern concept. The kind of love that happens in a marital relationship can be a beautiful picture of the gospel but also there are many many kinds of love that god has set out for us to enjoy in righteousness and purity and holiness Hmm. and we need we're invited to take advantage of all of them yeah invited to be an intergenerational um, family with each other deep friendships and uh if we're married good and healthy marriages, if we're blessed to become parents, good relationships Mm -hmm. with our children, but also good relationships with other people's children, good relationships with other people's parents. It's supposed to be an interconnected thing. And that's, I mean, that's hard even for us in a modern uh, conception of like, we just move around all the time and we tend to isolate from each other. Obviously a bunch of us experience really forced isolation and the early days of COVID. So we yeah. know we know that we're not made to be alone, but salvation by romance is a is a false gospel.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. And it's a really powerful one. Um because oh, yeah. you know, I think our and, and as you talked about, like our understanding of love really is colored by that. Um when we think about love, we think about it through the lens of romantic relationships. But really you have this beauty that exists for us to understand other aspects of what love can and should be by the other relationships we're, that are available to us in the family of God. And I wanna read uh, this quote from your book that kind of points to that and then um, kind of ask you a follow-up question. Um, in your memoir, you say, I was learning by immersion what why it made more sense to call these people siblings. The first benefit of the sibling relationship over a mere friendship is that it is chaste by default. With biological brothers and sisters, there is no suspicion around physical affection the sharing of secrets, or spending time together because the group is off limits for romance. It creates immense freedom to love. As you think about your story, uh, Rachel, and just your journey through life, kind of how have you seen this sibling relationship show you the different aspects or depth of love that we can experience beyond this false gospel of salvation by romance?
1: I think it's something I'm I'm still learning about. I I'm, I'm still growing in. It's a vision I really like and that I haven't totally arrived at. I think particularly early in my journey with Christ, I mean, it was just like, I did not know what to do with the fact that, okay, I'd given my life to Christ, but I was still clearly attracted to other women. I'm sort of like, uh, <laughs> like, what am I going to, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. Especially early on, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm attracted to every woman, obviously, I mean, if you're straight, you're not attracted to every person (laughs) of the opposite sex, but there was these uh, situations where I was like, wait a minute. So if I am in Christian community and getting close to people and I do notice that I'm attracted to some other woman, what, what in the heck am I, what am I supposed to do? Well, obviously one thing I need to do is repent and confess and talk to safe people because sin likes to hide in darkness. When you open it up, that's helpful. But I also felt like, wait a minute, sibling language gives me a category to to express the fact that I am supposed to be close to my brothers and sisters. There's Hmm. Siblings is about relationality. I mean, I guess, I mean, I legitimately could have a sibling I don't know. Not that we need to go into this story, but I don't know my biological father. He's out in the world somewhere. Like, maybe he's fathered. 20 other kids I don't know about but that would be a sibling that's a sibling relationship in like technicality right usually when we're thinking of siblings we're thinking of people who really know us who know the annoying parts of us and who also know the good parts of us and so it gave me a lens to think through okay now there might be some relationships with women where like I actually just need to take a step back because I'm not strong enough yet I'm not mature enough yet to handle that but at the same time I'm being told the answer isn't isolate yourself. Yeah. The answer isn't cut yourself off. The answer is try to figure out together how we can do this. And it's especially helpful when you think about the sibling relationship we're presented within the New Testament. It's not like I just have this one brother or this one sister. I'm supposed to diversify my portfolio, as it were. <laughs> like I'm supposed to be available to um, to many different people. And that doesn't mean I need to be close friends with everybody in my church. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert like, I can't handle that. The fact that, Amen.
0: <laughs> the
1: fact that we see that Jesus had 12, but also had three. I'm like, that is so relatable. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that makes good sense. And we're, we're going to have different levels, but we do need to be figuring out how to do the hard work of yeah. pressing into those relationships. So my, um, my friend, Rebecca McLaughlin just finished a manuscript for a book that she's, she's titling no greater love that explores Mm. Christian relationship. I told her she should call it life together too, because it feels like an updated version of (laughs) whole
3: project.
1: Um, and it's not out yet. It'll be out this year though, but I just want to say like when it comes out, y'all should read it because it's Mm. such a beautiful reflection on friendships, uh, friendships across sex Christian friendships with non-Christians, but also just friendship, real relationship in the Christian community. I, I don't think we're talking about this enough.
2: Mm. One aspect, you know, speaking of taking a, a note on what you were saying there near the end, one, one of the aspects I love that you talk about is that sibling relationships uh, aren't chosen necessarily. And I remember we, we call our community groups, home groups, they're multi-generational and there's a, other aspects to them. But I remember um, the first one I was in, we ended up kind of growing up together. It was really beautiful. I remember sitting down and thinking, man, I I have nothing in common with with most <laughs> of these guys, you know? And I just, it, you know, coming from, I was young at the time, newly married, and, and I had come from a world in which you just kind of hung out with people who like liked the same books and records and whatever that you like. And, This was totally different. And over time, those people became like my closest people. The thing that united us was our belief in Christ and time spent together, et cetera. But this idea that siblings aren't chosen is the experience I went through. I wouldn't have necessarily chosen these people to be next to, but I ended up loving them. And it reminded me, for a while I lived in New York and I was going to Keller's church and he said something one time when I was there, he said, we don't all have to like each other in the family of God, but we do have to love each other. And it helped me get past the initial I don't know if I'm going to like these people kind of a you know in my own that's a fleshly thing into being open to what the Lord might have as we as I went forward and spent time with a really diverse crowd of people so could you maybe speak to that a little bit more
1: yeah well it's just our normal experience of family right right yeah typically we're we're either born into a family or adopted into a family and like we don't have a choice of what other kids are here right in fact I am I only have one child, an extroverted <laughs> nine-year-old girl. And she threatens all the time to pray that I'll get pregnant again because she's desperate for me to have like, my like, girl. I want to be like an excellent basketball player, uh, college basketball player, you know, one and done. And so like, she doesn't even get a choice, that she has no other siblings, right? Like mm. there's, this, um, there's this vulnerability mm. in being a child in the family about who the other siblings are. And it is a vulnerability, but it's also an opportunity. Mm. Sometimes we can, well, not everybody does this. I can live in ideas pretty easily. And so you're like, oh, I love all these biblical categories. And you go to your actual local church and you're like, who are these fools? And yeah, you're like, I yeah, am yeah. one of these fools. <laughs> right, okay. right, exactly. Um, and it's important for us to say, well, okay, um, in the local church is actually where I'm going to be confronted with God. Mm through mm-hmm. my siblings in Christ. Mm-hmm. And listen, there are sometimes going to be people who like, we just don't click with the same. There there are going to be people who we have conflict with each other. That's why you might remember in Colossians, I think chapter three, he talks about bearing with one, one another, <laughs> forgiving each other, having patience and meekness because like we're going to be need to be born with. We're going to like be sinning against each other. So we need to be forgiven. It's not, Scripture is very clear eyed about our relationships with each other that, you know, things can get bumpy, but at the same time, it is actually in our real local relationships with other disciples that the commandments of scripture need to be lived out. I mean, it's all about one another. God's God's like, you cannot tell me you love me and hate your brother, Mm. right? We, you have to work this out for some of us. Um, Going to be pretty painful, right? Some of us really do have church hurt. I'm not saying that any of this is easy, sometimes we need a lot of support to figure out how relationships and churches have gone. But, um, in Mark, after the you know, the rich young fool comes mm-hmm. and he goes away, uh, Peter tries to like, Oh, Jesus, oh, like, we followed you no matter what, Like, aren't we so great? Because Peter, you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> instead of fully rebuking him like he probably deserved. He's like, right. that Anyone who leaves father and mother and children and brothers mm-hmm. and lands and houses for my sake and for the gospel will receive in this life. Fathers and mothers and children's and brothers and sons with persecutions. And in the time to come eternal life, like God actually promises us to each other. Like we mm. are, We are a gift God is giving to each other. And you might think, I don't like this gift. I'd like to return it. Where's the, where's the gift receipt? But at the same time, part of the obedience of faith is receiving that gift and learning to find ourselves in the midst of the community. Cause I can't, I can't even know who I'm supposed to be unless I'm with God's people.
3: Hmm.
1: For some of us, that even might mean, you know, as we have opportunity to move cities or, or whatever. For some of us, it could mean checking out a church that's not um, typical—maybe of maybe a church we've been in before—just to even learn more about different types of siblings. You know, I mean, I've mm-hmm. always been—I've always been in a, a Southern Baptist church, but up in New England, so it's—you it's, know—it's <laughs> like not really Southern Baptist. <laughs> um, but sometimes it's—it's it's good for us to experience siblings too in—in in other expressions of christianity to be like right like we are we are all children of our father yeah we need to we need to figure this out we need a lot of grace to do it but there's so much life to be had in the figuring it out
0: mm. I, I had a question in that in that direction right in some ways there's this initiative that we're all called to have and i like you being an introvert have to remind myself of that i think about the um the parable of the the good Samaritan, right? The the question that's asked at the beginning is, you know, well, who's my neighbor? And then basically the conclusion afterwards is, who who are you being a neighbor? T- who are you being a neighbor to is a is a better question. How? Because uh, I think there's a there's kind of a cultural narrative. Um, we we talk about community, and it's almost like there's the affinity group. So to your point, yep. Adam, of like yeah. you know, I like we like this. And, you know, I like you and until you do this or or even just this desire to constantly be pursued um, by others uh, to feel like the way that I know that I belong is because you constantly pursue me. In what ways do we see? Do you see like the balance and call in the family of God where I'm not it's not just about me being pursued constantly, but how I'm called to be one who pursues others? In a way where I, I neighbor them, I become a brother and sister to them. And in so doing, like I'm, I'm invited into that relationship.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're hitting on something really important is like, well, we do all want to be reached out to. I do want to be considered like special enough or
3: Mm -hmm.
1: whatever it is worthy enough to be picked that you'd want to have coffee with me or whatever it is. I think I want to say on the front end, it's okay to want that. We, in mm. the sense that we are made in God's image, so we are. If we're worthy of the blood of Christ, we are worthy of love and attention. Mm. Um, so it's not like we need to beat ourselves up if we, if we want to be pursued. I think that's it's a deep. normal and okay thing to feel. Where it can stop us is if we just sit in a little pity pile and kind of lick our wounds mm. and think, "Well, no one's reaching out to me." I think most obedience. Is the everyday repentance of saying, well, maybe things in me aren't going how I want them to go. Maybe things out there aren't going how I want them to go. At the same time, the Lord has set me in a place. Um, I have this time, I have now, and He has shown me what is good to do. And and part of those good works is is love. And so, again, I think that's why it's helpful sometimes to be very local, to think through, okay, there is someone here who I can love there is someone here who I can send a text to who I can invite out for a meal. Most churches have some sort of function where we can at least you know meet other people whether it's like a home group or community group or something sometimes mm. it's just little steps you know yeah one of the things that's been very helpful for me actually in my introversion I get easily overwhelmed. I easily just like turtle in. My best friend at church is like a crazy extrovert. Mm -hmm. She just, she's like, I look for all the new people and I find them and I introduce them to other people Mm -hmm. and like invite them to my house for dinner. And I'm like, I would die having your life. I would die. Would literally (laughs) curl up and perish. (laughs) (laughs) Not Uh, (laughs) (laughs) perish. The nice thing is God isn't calling me to be her exactly. Hmm but she is a good example to me right. and a good encouragement to me. She's like, "Hey, why don't you go sit with that single person over there?" Cuz I sometimes don't even see it. She's like, "Why don't you go love her?"
3: Hmm. And I'm
1: like, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." Like I actually we actually need each other sometimes to even see what's possible because hmm. we can just we get these little blinders on because of all kinds of things, you know. That's we're true. tired and distracted and We need to be a help and encouragement to each other, not demanding that we're all the same, but opening up for each other opportunities for obedience. Mm.
2: I have one more question because I actually, you answered one of them, which is practically what could it look like? And you were just talking through great examples of that being open to opportunity, reaching out to others, the text, the meal, sharing a meal, just Trying to get outside of your comfort zone, but there is one thing that you talk about that I really love, which is intergenerational relationships. So one thing we've used the metaphor a lot about, uh, and I'm in a context that uses the metaphor of brothers and sisters in Christ, but um, I have found that, and and that's the I totally agree that is the starting place. That's the place we need to be. But there's another type of relationship the Bible talks about, which are spiritual mothers and fathers. And mm-hmm. I have, I have seen at time. I'm thinking particularly about a uh, an older woman here who mm-hmm. she is just. She prays. She admonishes. She'll pull me aside. She'll pull Jamin aside, who's one of our pastors on staff. And and she's able to say, "Don't forget this." Do and mm-hmm. if I treated her like a sister, it wouldn't feel right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she's deserves more honor ever. than that. Yeah. You know? yeah, and and, right. and again, you know, like um, I mean that like I'm being nuanced, right? I yes, there's a sisterly way we we, but totally. yeah, I think uh, it's Paul's words to Timothy, it's right? It's Paul's words Treat to older absolutely women like women. Yeah. Exactly. exactly, and so just maybe on that, what's the importance of the intergenerational relationship? Um, could you just speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, and I'm glad you brought it up. The truth is, I um, I'm very much a creature of my exact time. Like I, you know, yes, what what same. can I do? I am a I am a 21st century middle class white lady. You know, <laughs> so that means I'm going to have some of the strengths that come from that, and I'm going to have some of the limitations that come from that. One of the limitations is I am so thoroughly individualistic. Um, and I have so not ever been native to a cultural stance that honors and preferences elders. Mm-hmm. So when I approach the scriptures, it means I've got an automatic deficit when it comes to this topic. It means I'm less likely to see it, I'm less likely to know how to apply it, and I still run in circles that traffic in those same deficits many of the time so in some ways if i can be honest this has kind of felt like a long-term wound for me
3: mm-hmm.
1: um even in my church life now so many of us are in like our 20s and 30s and some 40s right very few mm-hmm. older people and part of that's the nature of cambridge massachusetts mm, you know people come to get their degrees and then they and then they leave this kind of thing but as I've gotten to the upper end of my thirties, I think I have felt the wound more of like, mm-hmm. I desperately want more relationships with older men and women. Yeah. Uh, because I think I just feel more and more how much I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I think the, the woundedness here could again, allow me to just wrap up in my blanket and <laughs> weep into my Netflix queue, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh, there's no old lady to take care of me. (laughs) One of the things that is important has been important for me is to say, okay, I probably need to think through that. At the same time, there are people younger than me. What does it mean for me to, um, to bless some of the kids in my church
3: Mm -hmm. or to bless
1: some of the, the ladies who are a decade younger than me. And actually, frankly, some of the men We don't do this a ton in our churches always, but there is something really nice about when there's enough of an age gap and let alone, I'm not even attracted to men, but when there's enough Mm -hmm. an age gap where you're like, you, you know, nothing's going on, especially if it's an older woman and a younger man where you can just come alongside and be like, I, I care about you. I love you. um, That there's something real and tender that can happen in that space. I've seen it happen. I haven't experienced it overly much, but it, it's something I believe God wants for us. It's something that I think when it does happen is especially beautiful in our culture that, you know, prioritizes youth and is relatively rootless. And I think it's probably something, frankly, that my own little contexts also need to learn from other Christians about Christians of other cultures, Christians of other times, uh, and how to do these things well. because. Yeah, I just experience it mostly as an aspiration, not as a lived reality. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I've had some kind of varied experience with that because, like, I'm getting, I'm not old, even though I have, like, I just got uh, progressive lenses and it makes me (laughs) feel old. It's great. I'm like, oh, this phone is bigger. Um, Which just can't see, Elizabeth. But uh, I've become more aware of the need for me to push towards a level of spiritual maturity because of the younger folks that I'm yeah. in community with mm. that I need to be pouring into. Yeah. And so the need, like you said, to be the, the older sister. I think I want to call myself that. The older sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> and to look for younger brothers and sisters. And I, the Lord has just really blessed me over the years to be able to have those relationships naturally arise. But I've become more aware of the need to do that in the past year, uh, partly yeah. because of how people are approaching me. I'm like, oh, you're expecting me to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, need to, I need to be that in a good way. Um, but right. then also I've just had some, um, some fun experiences in church. Uh, just being in a place where there are those mothers and those grandmothers mm. who man, are in their 70s and their 80s and they're, showing me what it means to love Jesus yes. and how much my life has yeah. been blessed by that and how much when I'm stressed out about something, they're like, baby, <laughs> you will be okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still here. If you're st- if I'm still here, I'm a testament to God's faithfulness. Um yes. but then it also being in other churches, I think sometimes uh our churches can just be predisposed to youth and the need yeah. to be more inclusive in just how we are even reaching out to the community to be a place where all generations are welcomed and valued because I can feel the difference when I'm in a church that has no people over 40 versus yeah. a church where you have, uh, they call them the gray hairs, uh, but you have that wisdom yes. um, that comes yeah, from years of right. the Lord and some of the things that maybe they, the the former churches can avoid uh, because they have the wisdom to guide them and that yeah. we yeah. need to be looking for that wisdom. It's good.
1: I think that's right. And even when the main category of the other we're supposed to take care of are a huge age of widows and orphans.
0: Right. Yes.
1: We're we're led in the scriptures to expect to expect that this is going to be true of our local Mm -hmm. bodies. So if it isn't true, that is a loss.
0: Yeah. Yes. And to that point, there's something about when we give in both of those directions, like how much. Uh, even in the um, younger sibling uh direction it's like we can learn from them I, we were oh, totally we we're talking to my uh godson uh earlier this week and a uh, person just been walking through some some stuff myself we we're having this conversation with him and he's he's been having nightmares and so he's mm-hmm. been having a hard time go to go to going to sleep and so he wanted us to pray with him while he uh before he went to bed and he's been praying. His mom was telling us like he's been praying the same prayer for the past two weeks. God, will you take these scary thoughts out of my head? Mm-hmm. Amen. And I like, it was such a simple prayer. Mm-hmm. And it was also just super convicting to me of like <laughs> that's Man, right. that's just such an easy prayer that I could just I could lob up to the Lord, would you just take these scary okay. thoughts out of my brain? Yeah. Yeah, that's Amen. right. And it's um but it, it's there's something about right from the mouth of babes. And then as you just articulated right. something about, you know, sitting with an elderly woman or an elderly man and, you know, whatever the condition. And you just get those like wisdom bombs that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, man, that comes in the context of like the ordinary life. Right. In, in those spaces. And so a lot of times the blessing of those relationships is uh, preceded by the obedience to give ourselves to them. Mm-hmm. That's
1: right.
4: That's right. Relationships are hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think uh, back to the beautiful vision, Rachel, you talked about the family of God. And really, the years that I I was recently, I'm still I'm saying this, I'm going a, I'm to a get to my point. Uh, <laughs> um, is I was recently talking to a friend, and they've been going to this community group, and it's, it's pointing to what you said, Adam, um, and for a long time. And recently, they were like, I think I'm starting to like these people. <laughs> um and <laughs> that we recognize we show up in obedience with the expectancy that God's going to do a thing in the group hmm. instead of saying, I need you to do it before I show up. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And how much right. of our faith journey really is, God, I know these things to be true about what it means to be a part of your community, and I'm going to live like they're true until the gap closes and they are. That's right. Um, that's right. Because the beauty of relationship Loneliness is is a huge issue in our culture. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, probably was so before COVID and after COVID. We're just a people of isolation. And I think about the beauty of the witness the church could have to the world to show you have a place here. You will be loved here. You will be checked on here. Um, My previous church showed me the power of bringing a meal a meal train <laughs> sitting with somebody in right. the small things and in such a way that it challenged me. I'm like, Elizabeth, these women have whole families, kids, jobs, and they're showing up for people. Why aren't you? Like, why can't you have this ministry of presence that serves as a beautiful witness of what it means for us to really be the family of God in a way that's really healing and redeeming? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the the issues we see in our day are rooted in people's lack search for belonging search for community, their search for love, and what they're looking for isn't working. Um, And what we know with the gospel is that we have something that does.
1: Mm. Well, and I love what you're bringing up because another cultural story, if we're going to ping back to something earlier, is that like this life is about Mm self-optimization and about efficiency. Mm. And the vision that we're given of the Christian life is not that. It embraces suffering. It is mm-hmm. often like on a different track, on a different timeline. It starts very small. That little piece of leaven that has to work through all of the dough mm-hmm. with the very tiny mustard seed that has to eventually grow into a plant. The Christian life is called a walk, which is like the yeah, slowest yeah. way to get anywhere. <laughs> and it talks about us becoming oaks of righteousness. But an oak mm-hmm. takes like 200 years to become its full mm-hmm hefty, magnificent self that can't be knocked over by a storm. The the call to live by faith and not by sight is constant and real. We do have to trust God that this is the gift. I mean, even in the the miracle where he feeds the 5,000, it's not like he prayed and then created two gigantic (laughs) mounds of bread loaves. The whole time it was just breaking off little by little until at the end yes. they had all the 12 basketballs mm. like we um we are a demanding impatient people sometimes we're like well if i'm going to go to this community group you better give me a best friend right when i walk in it's like yes. that's just mm. not, how, not it how it works, works sometimes
0: mm-hmm. that is so true in in first thessalonians when paul talks about his relationship with the people they like we cared for you um in such a way that not only were we eager to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ but also our very lives because you became so dear to us and it's That's like right. when we first got there y'all were strangers and we were just being obedient to the gospel and as That's we right. continue to be obedient to the gospel we just found out man I like I actually enjoy being here with you guys like mm-hmm. I, wanna, <laughs> I wanna I wanna I want to actually have a relationship and I think you know and in what we've got to talk about so far of just that, that importance of realizing um, the the family of God has been a part of God's plan from the beginning. And as you articulated early on, it starts with a promise. Um, uh, it starts in the garden uh, with the, the the first thing that we're identified as not being good is being alone. And we see through Abraham, this promise of being invited into relationship, particularly in a family with God, And we see that in greater fruition when Jesus comes. And so looking at how does that how does that then move us to respond um, and to pursue one another in a way that uh, recognizes the really beautiful God creating connectedness that he's brought between us. Like you like you said that for somebody else to also know, love, trust and obey Jesus and for us to have that in common and like that to be enough for our affinity, right? For mm-hmm. us to right. then walk in obedience to all that God has called us to. And that looks that looks differently. Rather, we're talking peer-to-peer relationships as brother and sisters, or even uh, tapping into those intergenerational relationships with older men and women in the church, as well as those that are younger. And in all of that, as we continue to walk in obedience to what God has called us to, not only are we able to bless those around us but we also ourselves uh, are able to receive and find ourselves a part of a community that glorifies God and also uh, wholly and biblically starts to address that that loneliness that can that can creep into us
1: because the family of God is the end game it's not like a temporary thing but then when i go to heaven yeah i'm just staring at jesus Forever in like a very individualistic picture. That the family is part of the new heavens and the new earth and yes. part of the blessings. We get to experience now. It's broken now. It takes mm. a lot of repentance and a lot of healing and a lot of patience. And a lot of the grace. power of the spirit. Yes, a lot of grace. But it is a part of the experience now of what we are in fact saved for.
0: It's mm. so good. Rachel, this has been Wonderful. Thank you so much, really, for your work and just for the the wisdom even that you've uh, given us so far here. I feel like we got a, a lot to think about and just I even feel just challenged in ways to, uh, like you say, to be more attentive and on the lookout of how we can uh, walk in these things in our own communities and in our own churches. So that not only, like I say, are we um, able to tap into community, but we can extend that Christian community to those around us.
1: Yes, yeah, my pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Thank you for listening to culture matters this episode is produced by chelsea conway with editing and support from the good podcast company if you're a regular follower of the podcast we would love to hear from you and you can message us on social check out the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us as well as connect with our guests and ways to support their work see y'all next time